have I ever denied my creative engagement? I, I would say you cannot deny your creative engagement because creativity cannot be suppressed. It, it, it's a bit like nature. It, it abhors a vacuum and it will find a way. It will push at the weakest point and it will send through a little tendril of a root and it'll break it open and it'll come flooding out. So it's a fool's errand to try and crush your creativity. It doesn't, it doesn't work like that. Creative Engagement. Welcome to the Creative Engagement Podcast. I invite you to join us at the intersection of artistry and engagement. I'll be interviewing artists and creative folks to shine a light on the importance of authentic self-expression and participation in life. My purpose is to stimulate curiosity that will lead to play so that we can each get to live our most meaningful adventures. In my work as a coach, I create transformation through curiosity and creativity to allow LGBTQ folks to address the challenges of living life, motivating and inspiring self first and then others. What outcomes do you seek? How do you want to experience success as you define it? This week, I am excited and thrilled to introduce Shanet Jones, theater maker, professional actor, and director, among her many diverse forms of artistry. And Shanet would sum this up as being a creatrix. I will be sharing Shanet's info and links in the podcast notes section. You'll hear Shanet and I touch on the topic of curiosity a few times. And I have a bit more to say about curiosity later on. Finally, we'll close out this episode with an original composition from Shined called Aphrodite in Snow. Okay, we're off to the races. I am so very, very excited to introduce Shanet Jones, who is a creatrix. She is a <laughs> theater maker uh, with 30 years of professional experience, a director, writer, producer, a composer, a singer, a painter, a drawer. Um, she exhibits and sells. Shanet makes pottery. Um, thrown and hand-built. She crochets and sews. And she loves teaching and facilitating others to do these things too, and creating mnemonics and programs. She loves flavors of fairy tale, ritual, mysteries, and thrillers. And so you are so very welcome on this podcast, Shanet. Welcome. Daniel, thank you so much. I was really excited to be asked. Yeah, we have, I wanted to just point out, we have a little bit of a quirky um, relationship in that we met and uh, had parallel experiences, but never uh, shared experiences of this uh, course called Pathmakers that Kath Berlinson created. It, it was brilliant. And it's hilarious to think that this is our first conversation entre nous. 
right, right. just between ourselves right and any listeners who may happen to be listening in <laughs> yeah yeah so i'm i'm you know it's and it what an interesting way to get to know somebody and get to really see deeply into somebody by going through some coursework together and so i feel that i do know aspects of you and yet we've this is our first kind of official conversation so <laughs> As strange as that may be, I'm thrilled to have you here. And what I wanted to make this podcast really about is an encouragement to folks who are listening and a way to both celebrate what creativity and artistry does when we engage with it, and also to take a look at some of the shadowy dark sides of what happens when we don't or can't engage with it. Let's jump right in. So the question to you is, how has engaging with your creativity and artistry, how has that enhanced your life? Oh my goodness, in so, so many ways. Um, but when you suggested that we have this conversation and you mentioned the terms uh, creativity and artistry and even engaging, uh, the first thing I had to do for myself, not to feel completely stupid, was to go away and look them all up again. <laughs> yeah. I, I, have, I have a love of etymology. Um, so I, I wanted to kind of go back to the root of the words again. So I looked at creativity and, and, and that being to produce from one's imagination. Yeah. New ideas, new ways of thinking, problem solving. I, I, I guess that's more of a corporate thing, new ideas, new ways of thinking, problem solving. But but the idea to produce from one's imagination. And, and so then, of course, I had to go and look up imagination. Uh, so imagination to picture for oneself, you know, that from... You know, the Latin imaginare, imaginatio, which to me sound like spells. As soon as I hear that, I, it's like something you cast. Imaginatio, you know. <laughs> um, right. But really the idea that, that, that it's the faculty or action of forming n new ideas or images or concepts of external objects that are not present to the senses. So the ability to form ideas of things by images, sounds, smells, tastes, sensations, and even concepts that you can't perceive immediately with your senses. And then even further to be able to manipulate and develop those ideas through exploration or combination or transformation into something new. Um, and, and the thing that became apparent to me as I started looking into these meanings uh, was the thought that actually imagination is very much in the head and that Creation, creativity, create coming from creare um, in Latin, which is to form out of nothing, and which actually later on came to have this um, sense of divinity about it, to bring something into existence. That imagination is very much the work that you do in your head, and creation is an act, it's a commitment. And then when I was having a little look at the word engagement, I got very excited about that. That's from the French engagé, which means to pledge. And, and that came around the 17th century. And that has like five meanings at least. Yeah. It's, it, it's betrothal. It's an appointment. Uh, it's kind of like an employment. 
it's participation, and it's also, and I'd forgotten this, it's a skirmish, it's a fight, it's a battle. And and I think it's really interesting to think of creativity in terms of a battle <laughs> that we have with our ideas, with our imagination, and getting them, getting it out into the real world. And it is a kind of pledge, a betrothal. It's, it's a commitment you make to yourself, to your imagination, to, to make something. I, I don't think anything ever comes from nothing. Uh, it always comes from something, but but to to birth something into the world. So um, yeah, w w once I sort of got to grips with uh, the the terminology again, afresh, if you like. Right, right. It's interesting that you would say all of that because, for uh, you know, I'm I'm creating these podcasts, and for the first episode, I realized. Oh, if I want to have the name of the podcast be Creative Engagement, I better define engagement, defining it as, like you said, participating in the action of going into or like heading towards whatever you're um, participating with, including just life itself. And and when you say, how has it enhanced my life? Well, oh, my God, in so many ways. Uh, I mean, I could say very, very briefly, I was an only child. So I think you have to have uh, engagement with creativity to survive being an only child. <laughs> you know, you spend so much time alone and with your imagination. And that imagination can either lead you to sit in a corner or you can do something with that imagination. And I think that's why I, I try so many different things as well. But the enhancement it's brought, it means that you know, wherever I've landed in life, it's helped me create a home or make me feel at home. It's connected me with people. It's brought me peace and sanity, especially during lockdown. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> it allows me to express myself. It gives me a sense of purpose and achievement. Uh, it allows me to record and share what I feel has to be saved or preserved it lets me solve problems or improvise, helps me streamline. It helps me procrastinate from all the things I'm really supposed to be doing, like tax returns and housework. Um, it brings me immense joy. It's brought me some income. It's given me a refuge. It sometimes helps me get clarity on things. It's sometimes even given me self-belief. If only for a moment, I <laughs> have little moments of self-belief that come from engaging creatively and having having made something I hadn't quite expected myself to be able to. So there, I mean, I I I could go on and on actually. That's yeah, quite the, and these are no, you know, these are really important, powerful things that you're listing here, like feeling purposeful and um, being able to solve problems and. I mean, you know, there's creativity in the kitchen when you look at the fridge and all you've got is hairnets and a can of dog food and you've got to make supper, you know. <laughs> <laughs> right. And it doesn't mean that that very creative people, very artistic people don't also get stuck. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, we, I think we get stuck all the time. But, I mean, there are all kinds of things. I mean, people have remedies for that. I think... For me, one of those things very much is is curiosity is key. You, you kind of have to listen very carefully to yourself for that thread uh, of the cure, the thing that makes you curious. That there's a little prickle in you, 
that goes, okay, there's something there that interests me. And you, you, you kind of pull that thread and follow that. And that's, that's one of the ways out of it. And, and another way is to get active. I, I can remember once I had writer's block when I, I had this retreat, I'd booked myself, which was a really rare thing. It was, it was the, it, I think it was the first time I'd ever had a, a retreat where I was going to go away and write a screenplay. And halfway oh, wow. through, it was amazing. It was amazing. In fact, it was in the house that Dylan Thomas stayed in uh, when he wrote Portrait of the Artist as a Young Dog. And some friends of mine had, had bought this house by accident. There's quite a story to that. It's, it's a long story. I won't go into that. But the point was, I was in this house and I had wanted this so badly to be in this place and to write this thing. And halfway through the week, I couldn't anymore. I had the beginning, I had the end, and the middle was causing me problems. And uh, and in the end, I found a solution, which was I stopped trying to be a writer and I started being a typist. And I, I kind of got, you know, started just typing, 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 got bored with what I was typing. And eventually that kind of brought me back to the story. And then I went back and rewrote the rubbish that I'd been sort of trammeling out as I was as I was typing and uh, it, it it's what got me out of the block it was the action of doing it. I mean I was going for walks and things and and as well but it was the action of sitting down there actually typing 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 till I, I, I kind of bored myself into doing it yeah hearing you talk about this makes me think all, all the places where my curiosity would drop off or get crowded out by another emotion. So like a lot of times my creativity and my curiosity would serve me up to a point, but then I wouldn't stay curious for one reason or another. And some of my exploration now in even as I'm writing songs is is about you know when it feels like the curiosity is drying up how to just keep it alive and stay with it a little bit longer. Ooh, uh, well, there's something. I love solving other people's problems. They're so much easier than our own. So I think if I was, if I was facing uh, uh, not being able to, to stay with that curiosity, I'd, I'd probably do the upset, the setup. I, I'd turn it upside down. I'd look for the opposite. I'd look for it backwards. I'd look for it in another direction. I'd look oh, for what, I'd, look, I'd yeah. look for the thing it absolutely could not be. It absolutely couldn't be that, and then you probably discover actually part of it might be. <laughs> right, and I, I've I've started to explore a little practice of: is there any curiosity? Like, am I am I asking myself questions internally, or is there something squashing my curiosity? And even sometimes that lets me like, oh, I'm not asking myself questions. What's a question I could ask myself? Well, uh, if I if I was bringing some of the wisdom I'd learned in the corporate world, I'd say make sure they're always open questions. <laughs> right, right. You'll get longer answers <laughs> and better and more more interesting, meaningful answers. Right, right. So. Shannon, what have you noticed on the shadowy side? Like we've talked a little about getting stuck and getting out of stuckness. But I think situations have come up which have, if you like, squashed, as as, as you were saying about squashed curiosity, um, there have definitely been situations where my creativity has been squashed. And uh, given that I've been an actor for 30 years and I have spent quite a 
a few of those years doing understudying work, I, I would say that understudying is the definition of creative disengagement because you're you're kind of hired to uh, not create a role but um, learn the way someone else created it. You're hired to wear someone else's costume. You're hired <laughs> not to go on stage. You're actually paid to turn up and not perform and not engage with an audience. And uh, it's, a, it's a whole long list of things you, you, you're you kind of there to turn up and not do, which can be uh, really dispiriting. But I learned very quickly that I knew I'd need some projects to keep me sane. So, for example, um, I had always wanted to play Jocasta. And the opportunity came up for me to understudy uh, in Jocasta, uh, in Oedipus, um, the role of Jocasta at the National Theatre. And I thought, oh, crikey, you know, I'd give my eye teeth to do this. I really would. Um, for any small role in the chorus as well. But then they told me, no, no, the chorus was going to be all men and the only woman on stage would be Jocasta. So I thought, okay, do I do this job knowing that I'm never going to get on other than perhaps an understudy run? And then I thought, well, I've wanted to do this since I was 16. Uh, so I'm going to do it in the off chance I might get to do it. But I'm also going to have some projects along the side to keep me going. And what I ended up doing was a portrait of every single person in the cast in in the sort of Corinthian style of portraiture as in um, just the silhouette of their outlines of their shadows cast on the canvas so all the actors were very helpful and came up and modeled for me including Ray Fiennes and um, Alan Howard and uh, Claire Higgins they all came along and and modeled for me and and then I had uh, I was stood in the dressing room listening to the show each night uh, and filling in these uh, portraits of them. And they got exhibited in the National Theatre Green Room. So I had an exhibition there. Um, and that was a way of kind of subverting <laughs> the disengagement of understudying, actually really feeling a part of the show um, and making the best use of the time and feeling like I wasn't wasting my creativity whilst I was doing the job. Wow, there's it's such a fascinating juxtaposition to hear you describe the understudy role. And yet it sounds like there is also some intrinsic value to learning the lines and being the prepared understudy just in and of itself. But then you found ways to make it engaging for you in a way that you could keep it all alive and not go insane and all that. Well, you, the thing is, you have to be ready from day one. So you have to be ready from the first performance. So all that work is already done. So what do you do for the shows, for the rest of the 75 shows that you're sitting there for two hours or two and a half hours every night? What are you? What do you do for that time? That's time to be captured and caught up. <laughs> and, and your solution is kind of masterful, you know, like make the most of it, right? Well, I, I hope, I think I did. I hope I did. I, I would say that, um, you know, in, in this thing of have I, have I ever denied my creative engagement? And I, I would say you cannot deny your creative engagement because creativity can
cannot be suppressed. It, it, it's a bit like nature. It, it abhors a vacuum and it will find a way. It will push at the weakest point and it will send through a little tendril of a root and it'll break it open and it'll come flooding out. So it's a fool's errand to try and crush your creativity. It doesn't, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> that yeah, presupposes, very, very well said. Yeah, it yeah. presupposes that we have any kind of control over our creativity at all. <laughs> I'm not sure we do. <laughs> well, and and you know, some would go even farther to say that if we do squash it or suppress it, then the ways that it comes out, like you said, it uh, sideways or finds a way to come out, may be less than desirable. May be sadness or depression or or grief well it's the old adage isn't it what you resist persists yeah yeah in terms of some of the most important lessons that creativity has taught you what can you say about some lessons oh so many Uh, just do it because uh, if you don't just go and do it you never will or somebody else will and then you'll regret not having done it um Secondly, probably listen to your curiosity. It's it's the key to your imagination. It's um, it, it'll unlock everything. Yeah. Uh, structure. Uh, some people call it form. Structure is your friend. It makes room for everything. It it's, it it holds you. Gives you the license to go further, because you can also abandon the structure. But if you have the structure in the first place. Uh, it, it's very useful. It's interesting to think of structure as sort of like an anchor to uh, a leaping off place, a, a anchor to your freedom. Absolutely. Um, and then if you're in a situation where you're feeling overwhelmed, um, I, I, use, I use the process of disco. That, that's the time to plan a disco. And that is um, done in small chunks often. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. That incrementality is sort of a way to like, what's the smallest chunk that I can work with? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So when you're feeling overwhelmed, plan a disco. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, Perfection is non-existent. In fact, I'd say it's probably the greatest destroyer. Uh, I mean, the number of pots I've trimmed through the bottom of just to make it more perfect. Um, so I, I think that's actually true of output as well. When you start to become output focused, and I, I mean, when it's a job, yes, one does have to focus to to degree on the output. But I think when you make that the primary focus, it ends up killing the project. Any joy in it? Right, right. Yeah, perfectionism can be a real trap. And then pro- probably the the biggest one of all, and and this probably my biggest failing is. Knowing when to stop. Which kind of goes hand in hand with understanding perfectionism. Yeah. Yeah. This has just been so delightful to speak with you, Shannon. Daniel, the invitation to just spend a bit of time thinking about this was uh, wonderful. It was a great provocation and it was very generous of you to spend that time with me and and, uh, hear my thoughts on it. I know this has been brief and maybe there'll be an opportunity to bring you back for some more exploration. Thank you. Thank you so much. Go well. Keep creating.
Jeanette and I mentioned curiosity a few times in our conversation. Lately, I've been focusing on strengthening and using my curiosity. I've noticed that there are times when my curiosity is actually absent. This manifests for me when I'm overwhelmed or when my emotions have crowded out my capacity for curiosity. When I'm aware of the questions I'm asking myself, I found that some questions keep me where I am and other questions open me up and allow me to widen my experience. I've captured an article describing how we can look at our curiosity through seven common lenses of experience. You can find a link to the article in the podcast notes. And now an original composition by Shanet Jones, Aphrodite in Snow.
creative engagement.